Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA. We have the A-team joining us from Dallas, where he attended the Celtics-Mavericks game last night, I believe, is yes, Timothy sir. Band McMahon. That was, a, that was a good game. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, and joining us from Boston is Jackie McMullen. And uh, Jackie, I know you watched that game last night where our colleague Kendrick Perkins... Um, I could what? I couldn't watch the uh, the local feed because when it's on ESPN they they black you out on um right on, right. But I was reading the the uh, the social media reaction sounded like Perk in his first ever in his first ever play by play was uh, very popular amongst the Boston fans. You know, Perk Perk has this great distinction in Boston of they still say if we didn't trade Perk. We would have won a championship that year, right. and very popular thing. But say that to Mike Zarin, the, the assistant GM of the Celtics, if you want to watch his head explode. Because uh-huh. if we're going to talk about analytics, the numbers all told them the same thing. They were so much better when Shaquille O'Neal was on the floor. Remember? Shaq got hurt, and that's where this, this plan went awry. But Perk's numbers, on and off, they were dramatically different, and they did not favor the Celtics with Perk on the floor. So they had, in their mind, analytical evidence that going forward, this wasn't the best idea. But, of course, it's much more romantic because everyone loved Perk. The, the front office loved Perk. The coaches loved Perk. And, of course, they still have that famous text chain, Rondo, Perk, Doc, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, t- uh, Tony Allen, to this day. Well, speaking uh, and, of that. And Big Baby. And Big Baby Davis as well. Speaking of that, um KG got a little loose with uh, Bill Simmons this week, and uh, some of the stuff that he said I think was accurate about LeBron, but some of it I think was just downright certifiably insane, Um, which is kind of the KG experience, right? Um, Oh, yes, my friend. Yes, it is. uh, Because his point that – uh, Jackie, I'll never remember. I'll never forget this. Do you remember? Were you at the game where oh, the yeah. Celtics eliminated the Cavs? Game oh, yeah. six in Boston, LeBron's last game in Cleveland, the first time around. Okay, yes, I do. That night, biting the was, nails, biting the nails. Oh yeah, me. I mean, I'll never forget that. Are you kidding me? Late in the night, Cage, because you know Cage always got his post game massage. Very late in the night, I think KG was the last man to the podium, and somebody asked KG um, what advice he would give to LeBron. And um, I, I feel like, for various reasons, this th- these quotes have not been remembered. But he basically told LeBron that the worst mistake he could do was be mm-hmm. too loyal. That loyalty doesn't get rewarded in the NBA. And if I could translate, he basically said, um, leave Cleveland. Uh, he, he, he invoked his own situation where he thought he potentially had cost himself by being too loyal to Minnesota. He didn't put it exactly that way, but he, he referenced like, you know, I know this from my own experience. But he right. basically told LeBron, get out of there. And I remember thinking, whoa. <laughs> right. Um, it, uh, not that necessarily that I thought LeBron would listen to KG. But it was like a real sober – because, you know, um, a, less than a week earlier, the Cavs – LeBron had won the MVP and the Cavs were up 1-0 in the series. And, you know, yes, his free agency was 
coming, but it wasn't really a crisis. And all of a sudden it was like, whoa, it's, it's really real now. And KG could have been just as shallow with those comments back in 2010 as he was with these comments with Bill Simmons. But KG ripping LeBron for leaving Cleveland because he couldn't beat him is interesting because he told LeBron to leave Cleveland. Huh. Well, yeah, but, but that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is we ran him out of there, man. He knew that's he couldn't not, beat us. And, that, and I think that's true. Yeah, of course it's true. And and the Spurs can attest that they ran him out of Miami back to Cleveland because he knew after what they did to them in that final few games in that series, he's like, I mean, we can't beat him. I mean, I had I had his teammates tell me that. He, you could tell in the locker room, this is over. The band is broken up. Everybody could tell it. Yeah, and the other thing that people, again, I, I don't th- – and maybe I'm wrong. You tell me if you think I'm wrong because, you know, you guys seem to remember those KG comments. But – after the following season, LeBron's first year in Miami, after the Heat beat the, the Celtics 4-1, um, and LeBron, as soon as the, the series was over, collapsed to a knee, um, and like it was so emotional, you know, winning a, a playoff series because of the difficulty getting past the Celtics, he very emotionally came into the postgame locker room and explained that this moment was the reason he left Cleveland. And he really, for the first time ever, because he was so, you know, emotionally and, and detached and hardened by the decision that for the first time ever, he really spoke to Cleveland. He basically expl- he, he really said, this is why I had to leave. I hope you'll understand me. I mean, I wouldn't use the word apologize, but right, um, right. <clears throat> was definitely the most sensitive he'd ever been. <clears throat> and so, you know, again, that backs up what KG said. But on the other hand, he then bashed KG's head in for the next seven or eight years. Beat him repeatedly, not just in Boston, but also in in uh, in Brooklyn when they had that team that they thought could compete. They just they just smashed them in the playoffs. But the thing that KG said that was really just I thought out of his mind was that there was a, an agenda. Um, <laughs> the 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 year that the uh, that the that the uh, Celtics lost in the in the playoffs to the Heat, he said there was a, a media and league agenda that led to that series loss. I. I think it was the 45 points LeBron scored in game six in Boston. But, um, I, I, you know, he, he's just talking out of the side of his neck there, I think, Jackie. I don't know. Right. Well, and remember, too, the thing you've got to remember is they win in 2008 and KG is never the same. He just isn't. So anything that happens. He hurt, he, he hurt his knee. Yeah. Sorry. That's what I meant. Yeah. I mean, he was never the same. He was still very good and very scary, <laughs> but he was not quite ever the same. And so I think with all these athletes, my experience is when they start looking back and they start talking about, we should have won this one, like Shaq does it a lot, right? Oh, if I was healthier this year, we would have won this. And I think that's, KG isn't saying that, but in his mind, he's like, well, I was at my best during this time period and LeBron couldn't beat us. And I just think that's how it goes. You know, it's kind of like the 87, the 87 Celtics, Larry Bird said to me once, and I'll still never, I can't believe it to this day. He said to me, that could have been our best team, which is pretty unbelievable when you consider what 86 was. And he said, but we couldn't be healthy. If we were healthy, I really think that might have been the best team we ever had. Of course, no one will ever remember it that way because the, the Lakers, it was the junior, junior hook magic. I mean, we're going way back here. But I think when players get hurt, it colors the future to them. They they think about themselves in their prime. And in KG's mind, LeBron could never beat him in his prime. Now, we can argue that all day long up and down because I think mm-hmm. LeBron's James's legacy is pretty secure, I'm going to say. And not only that, pretty secure against the Boston Celtics, I might add. 
Yeah, he's played a hell of a lot of great games against them, though. He has played some amazing games against them. So to talk about the modern-day Celtics, McMahon, um, really an interesting game last night. Um, Obviously, Luka is out, and he's going to be out for a while, and you can tell us what you hear. I know you've done some reporting about that. Um, Celtics were down at half. Uh, You know, the Mavericks coming off of a a really impressive win um, against the Bucks without uh, Luka breaking the Bucks' winning streak. Um, Perceps Porzingis had scored 20 points in one out of 11 games. Not that counting point numbers is that vital, but in the couple of games since Luca went down, he got hurt in the first few minutes of that game and he's missed two games since. He's put up like three straight 2010 games. Um, before we talk about the actual performance last night by the Celtics, this, is this Porzingis, uh, Coming through is this him getting more touches without Luca? What's what's happening here? Because I think this is an interesting development. Yeah, and I, I don't want to make too much out of his little twenty and ten streak. It's the first time in his career he's actually gone twenty and ten in three straight games. But that's more about rebounding, obviously, uh, than scoring. Um, really, like last night, I thought Porzingis played well, but you know the twenty three points on nineteen shots—that's not remarkably efficient basketball. Um, you know, Milwaukee, 26 on 19 shots, better. Really, the big difference there was it's the you know, first time in a while he shot the three well. I mean, he hit four threes. Um, obviously, he, he's getting more touches, but, I, you know, still, like, he's getting more post touches, and that's not good basketball for the Mavericks. It's necessary because, you know, sometimes they need to be able to, to get a, a shot up somehow, some way with Luke out, but Porzingis in the post is like this is not a trend that the Mavericks will be looking to continue when Luca gets back here in a week and a half or so. All right. Well, two things I want to say. I want to ask you about the Celtics, Jackie. Yeah. Number one, Gordon Hayward out. I know. I can. With and this is a weird one. Yeah. 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 Uh, t- uh, McMahon, tell us what Brad Stevens said last night about this. So issue. he's he's. he's Hayward's getting an MRI today on his foot. I forget which foot it is, one or the other. Left uh, it, okay. foot. It's, it, it's My left foot. There you Sorry. go. Couldn't resist. It's, it's lingering foot soreness. And this isn't like, hey, it's been sore for a week or so. His foot, he was dealing with this foot soreness before he broke his hand. And so yeah. we're going back a while here. Obviously, he had a long layoff. I mean, the guy broke his hand, had surgery, recovered from that, came back, and has been playing for a little bit now. So this is several weeks that he's been dealing with his foot soreness. He got a cortisone shot, and apparently it didn't respond well. So like I said, he's getting an MRI. I mean, by the time this pod's out, we people might not, might know the, the result of that. Um, so, yeah, that's at least mildly concerning for the Celtics. Jackie, the reason I'm reacting to it is this is the same – foot well, he didn't break right. his foot he broke his leg and ankle but the foot was affected the whole but, whole side but, was affected yeah and then he and then he had to have a follow-up second surgery right because it wasn't healing correctly right right yeah i'm scary. not a, i'm not an orthopedist but, I, but i'm nervous yeah you should be and i think the celtics are too and we know how well they played when hayward was on the floor. We have all the numbers to tell us. He still is, I think, I mean, Kemba Walker's been fantastic, but he's still their best facilitator. He's the guy that keeps the ball moving. He's the, the guy that creates the space and pace that, that Brad Stevens wants to play with. So when he's not out there, it is a, it, it's a big 
it's a big hole, and they they fared pretty well without him. Um, so far. and without without Marcus, Marcus Smart, Smart. yes, yep. he's got yeah, a, this this eye infection. So I mean, obviously, not having Luke is a killer for the Mavericks, despite their win in Milwaukee. But the Bucks were de- or the Bucks, the Celtics were down two of their best players too. Right, um, but I mean, Gordon was. It's funny because before the you know the catastrophic injury in 2017. Not an injury-prone guy, you know, usually played north of, I don't think he ever played less than, well, here, let me look it up here. 72 games was the least he played. Oh, no, wow. sorry, 66, 66. There was one year, second year, yeah, he played only 66 six games. But, you know, he's up, he's up in the high 70s. Maybe that he's was the lockout season, the 66 games? Uh, 2011-12, yeah, you're, you could yeah. be right there. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So, I mean, the guy's been incredibly healthy. And incredibly durable, and, and now he's just all this freak bad luck. And I mean, I don't, I don't have any inside information on this guy. I wasn't on the trip with the team, so I can't, I can't give you any inside information on this other than uh, he's a very big part of what they want to do, and they're much, much better. Again, the numbers tell us when he's on the floor. So last night, Jason Tatum, twenty-four points, eight rebounds. Kemba Walker, thirty-two points, five rebounds, three assists. Jalen Brown, 26 points, nine rebounds. Um, to your point, Jackie, they only had 13 assists as a team because Hayward yeah. is their best facilitator. But, right. you know, all three of those guys, when they all play well like that, the, the Celtics are a load to handle. Um, they, they've obviously got to have their other two key players to do anything. But, um, but uh, you know, you mentioned before that Kemba is playing so well. He really is. I I'm going to make a confession here. Um, I did not vote for Kemba Walker last year for 13 All-NBA. I think neither of you guys did either. Am I correct on that? I don't remember I don't, what I did. I can go yeah, look at but, but, but he made 13 All-NBA. So Yes, right. he did. But I, I, you know, I didn't vote for him. And, I, you know, and I have to confess, too, because he was playing in a market that I didn't have to concern with myself with all that much because, you know, we're usually going uh, – we're following the big fish, so to speak. Uh I just didn't appreciate, I just didn't appreciate how good he really is. And, and I'm talking about on the floor, off the floor, the consistency. He can go with like the game last night, Tim, where he has 16 in the first quarter, zero in the second quarter. But, but when, you know, when it starts to matter, he's there. He just, and I know, Brian, you, you had some interesting, um, you and I had some interesting conversations about Kemba when the Celtics did sign him and you were concerned about separation because of his size. And when it gets into a tight playoff series, is he going to be able to create that shot? Because he is a small guy and is he going to get separation? And, and that's the part that impresses me, Brian. He does it, he does it so artfully and, in, and it's not always in the same way. Uh, I've just become a real convert to the way this guy plays basketball. And uh, yeah, I pulled up my voting last year for the All NBA team. <clears throat> I remember now I had a, a real debate between Bradley Beal, um, Russell Westbrook, and Kemba Walker. Right. And I, I went with Westbrook and Beal. Um, yeah. I did not I vote did. Kemba. I just I pulled mine up. I went with Westbrook and Kemba. So I guess I'm the only one who knows anything about so basketball. So you're the genius. <laughs> you're the genius, man. Well, there you uh, go. Jackie and I are done with this podcast, but man, you can take over. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there you go. No, I just and I and it was my fault because you know we do the best we can, right? We have to see all these teams all the time, and I think we all take it very seriously. I know I do, uh, but I didn't see him enough. I don't think until well, obviously McMahon did, but I, you know, night in and night out watching the consistency, both on the floor, in the locker room, when he has a bad game, 
he's as even keeled as when he has a great game. And there's just real value in that with a young team. Real value. Yeah, and, and look, I had Kyrie second team all NBA last year. So did um, I. And he and he but, deserved it. He deserved right. it. Right. Yeah. But I think and and I think we can all agree on two things. Kyrie is the more talented player of the two, and Kemba is the better fit for the Celtics. Now the problem sure. is with that whole changeover, Al Horford gets you know, you, you lose Al Horford in the shuffle. The Celtics lose Al Horford in the shuffle, but you know, I just watching last night, I think I tweeted at one point, Tatum and Brown look like the young stars that played such a huge role in getting the Celtics to the East Conference Finals a couple seasons ago. And I think a lot of that has to do with, obviously, you know, the the more conducive environment for a young player that exists with Kimball Walker being the point guard there. Yeah. And yeah. I, you know, I didn't really want to turn this into a, but I guess it's inevitable. I didn't really want to turn it into a Kyrie versus Kemba thing. But the one thing Kemba does is like, he really doesn't care about getting shots because he does get them in this offense. So he's yeah. very, he's a very willing passer to the other players on the court because he knows sometimes it's going to come back to him. And if it doesn't, he's good with it. You know, he wants to win. You know, you go back and look at how, you know, how little this guy, this very talented player, has won, has had any taste of the playoffs. And and I just remember, you know, you can go, I go back to Ray Allen and some of those other guys when they came in to Boston that year in 2008, which was a magical year for Boston, for the Celtics. And they all had to sacrifice so much. And they so willingly did it because nobody had won anything. And I really think it makes a difference. So when I look back on my vote there, I really have regret not on on Kemba but on uh, Clay Thompson. Yeah, Clay. Uh, Clay last the beginning of last season, he he wasn't he just he wasn't quite himself. But by the end of the season, he was great, and I I just I you know he didn't shoot the ball well, and I uh, for that early on, and it suppressed his stats a little bit, and and then I covered the. Um, the, the second, thir- second, third, and finals with the Warriors. I was with the Warriors for six weeks um, last season at the, in the playoffs, and he was so incredible in the playoffs. And granted, that's not what you're you're, you're viewing it on, but I remember having regret. And then when Clay didn't make um, uh, the All NBA team, he was really upset. I know. And he, yeah. I thought he was upset um, because he lost thirty million dollars that he could have gotten, which I would have been upset about that too. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I know that like um, Carl Towns. Who had signed the contract extension? He thought he had a great chance to uh, to make the All NBA team, then did not. And I know that that really upset him. But Clay just really wanted to be on the All NBA team in addition to the money. So um, it's hard. The All NBA team is uh, is difficult. But uh, you know, when you look at the way the Celtics are playing right now, I don't. I I, th- I think you're exactly right, McMahon. Um, they are a better team when Tatum and Brown are more involved and if they're more involved with Kemba you know regardless of the overall talent level of Kemba versus Kyrie that makes them a better team I don't think that's really debatable I think we can see that pretty clear ah don't you like how Andrew Hahn has changed up the music I'm really enjoying it good job Andrew well done um, did you know that Tissot is the official watch of the NBA and that their watches are affordable, stylish, trendy, innovative, and made with the highest quality materials? Of course you did listen to this podcast all the time. But if for some reason you're a new listener, 
welcome. And check out the latest timepieces that Tiso has on the market at their website, us.tisoshop.com, or of course, in jewelry stores nationwide. Or if you're watching closely, and we know you are, on the wrists of NBA stars like Trey Young, Clay Thompson, and many more. As we said, Tiso is the official timekeeper of the NBA, and they're bringing you a special opportunity this holiday season tied to the most iconic moment in the game, the buzzer beater. Every time a buzzer beater happens, fans will be rewarded with prizes, including trips, autographed merchandise, game tickets, and more. To sign up for that cool promotion, you can go to us.tisoshop.com slash buzzer beater and enter for your chance to win. For more information, you can check them out on Twitter at Tiso or by following the hashtag, this is your time. Do you think players care more about making the all-star team or the all-NBA team? Well, it depends. Do they have the uh, Rose provision? Uh, I mean, setting money aside, just in general, like you said, Clay was just a, just wanted to make the all-NBA team. Well, at the moment, he certainly wanted to make the all-NBA team. I can tell you that. Ah. He was really upset that he didn't make it. I would say that they care more about the one that they haven't experienced yet because Rudy Gobert sure as hell does care about making the all-star game. Uh, Clay Thompson's made a bunch of those, and I know he's been all NBA before, but so I, th- I think that can vary player to player depending on circumstances. But don't uh, you, don't you think it's like football with the Pro Bowl and the and and the All Pro team? One of them is like has a lot more validity. Don't we agree? Yeah, I do. I mean, if I'm an NBA player, I want to be on the All NBA team. That's that means I'm one of the best 15 players in the league. If you're on the all-star team, it means a lot of people like you and you have a good sneaker. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Um, Yeah, they're also the all the, you know, the all-star team, um, you know, there's sometimes injury replacements and guys have gotten on there. uh, You know, they've been named on it and stuff by the, you know, it's kind of like the the pro ball. It ends up being a whole bunch of pro bowlers because, um, um, you know, there are all these replacements. This year, the the guy to watch this year is um, is pa- is Pascal Siakam. So his his contract that he signed, he gets um, I think it's twenty something million extra. I have it somewhere here. I'm looking for it. He gets twenty something million extra if he makes first team All NBA. If wow. he makes second team All NBA, I think he gets maybe fourteen million or something extra. Uh, I'm going to look it up. And uh, if he makes third team All NBA, he gets nothing. Oh uh, man! Oh, uh, no. I mean, he he still gets his <laughs> max contract, but in terms of um, uh, of that of that bonus, I got to tell you, my husband Mike said to me last night, and he actually just walked by me, so this is good timing. He actually said, "Can a player win Most Improved two years in a row?" Because shouldn't Pascal Siakam win that award again? You could make an argument. Yes, Devontae you could. Graham's got a pretty strong argument, obviously, in Charlotte. Bam I'm out just of saying, bio. But I'm yeah. just saying in general, like, think about no, it. And you could argue the leap he made, obviously, the leap he made last year was from solid rotation player to, you know, uh, second or third best player on a championship team. But you can argue the leap he made this year from really high quality starter. To superstars, a bigger leap. I think so. By the way, Brian, I just found your information for you. If Siakam okay. makes the second team All NBA, he gets twenty percent, twenty eight percent of the team salary cap. 
If he makes first team, it's 29% of the team's salary cap. If he wins the MVP, he gets 30% of the team's salary cap. How yeah, if he gets that? the MVP, yeah, yeah, it's the thing. But, but he's, he's, yeah, well, he had, he but, had Royce Young's vote for like a, a, a day and a half. <laughs> um, I mean, he's well, a legitimate, he's a legitimate MVP candidate. I wouldn't say he's in the lead or anything, but he's a he's a fringe others receiving votes candidate. He's a he's well, a really good player. Though. All right, I mean, when we had to do that early season thing and we had to pick the top five, he was my f- number five. Is that fringe? Yeah, because uh, yeah, there's, th- there's th- four th- realistic candidates. Well, but I think he did finish fifth in uh, in Bontemps' uh, straw poll. Yeah, he did. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah, but Bontemps is a Toronto homer, so he probably weighed it weirdly. There's some kind of metric. <laughs> there's some kind of metric conversion. Hey, come on, give t- give give Tim his due. He said early on last year they were going to win the championship, and he never wavered from it, and he was right. So give um, him that. Or we, uh, McMahon just mentioned Bam Adebayo. I want to bring up the Heat. The Heat um, won in uh, in Philly last night. The, the first time um, I think Philly was thirteen and zero at home, thirteen or fourteen and zero. Um, they had just been within the last two or three weeks. Uh, they had been there. Uh, Miami had been in Philly, and uh, Philly blew them out. In fact, Philly had blown out a whole bunch of teams, uh, top teams at home this year. They didn't just win some of these games uh, easily. I mean, uh, close, they won them easily. And the Heat did something last night that I thought was interesting. Um, They played zone almost exclusively in that game. Um, I think our stats and info departments uh, came up with it. The Heat played more possessions of zone last night than any team in a game in the NBA this season. And the 76ers obviously are known for being a little bit suspect from the perimeter. They don't have great mm-hmm. shooters. Um, they shot 30% uh, on three-pointers last night, the 76ers, 42% overall. And the Heat knock them off. The Heat were actually up by 16 midway through the fourth, and then there was um, a run that the Sixers went on to make it close. Um, but one of the reasons that the, that it was so effective if you watch the game was Bam Adebayo on the back of the zone. Um, he's just so super athletic and, and bouncy and, you know, long arms and, and just so active that it was really effective, um, against, uh, against the 76ers who weren't really prepared for it, I don't think. And, and then they have this, uh, you know, everybody knows, uh, or not everybody, but if you follow the Heat even loosely, you know about uh, Derek Jones, who is known mm-hmm. for his dunking. Uh, he's got a, a great uh, nickname, Airplane Mode. And um, but one of the reasons he's such a great dunker is he's got super long arms, and so he can dunk from like six feet away from the basket. He can throw it down uh, like we're just reaching out. Um, but that also makes him, I felt last night, incredibly effective – at the top of the zone because he's got such long arms. And Jackie, um, you know, the Heat, I think, moved into second place. Uh, I have to double-check that. I think moved into second place ahead of the 76ers and may have shown the blueprint of, like, how they would play them in a playoff series and may really have the 76ers start thinking about transactions to get more three-point shooting in, especially if they have to play the Heat. Right. But, I mean, I don't know if you saw Joel talking about this after the game, and he said – Look, we knew what the scouting report was. Our coach told us they're going to play zone tonight, all night. Be ready. Don't settle. 
That's what that that's what their scouting report said. And you need to be aggressive when when a team plays zone on you. You still have Joel Embiid on your team. You got to move the ball. I still think you attack the teeth of defense, even if it is a zone. And when they started to do that a little bit, I watched a lot of this game in the fourth quarter. You know, you can uh, you can have some uh, you can be effective, and they were a little, little bit more effective. So they just have to they have to be a little more patient, I think, because it's right when you start when teams play zone, you you're like, oh, this shot is open, I better take it, and that's exactly what they're hoping you'll do, especially if you're the Sixers, because to your point, perimeter shooting is not their strong suit. You have to play to your personnel, right? I'm actually I'm, heading to Philly uh, later today. Got a little Mavs Sixers tomorrow. And, you know, the Mavs haven't played a lot of zone this year. But Rick Carlisle, you know, going back to the 2011 run, I mean, he's been known to junk it up. So uh, given how it worked for the Heat, I wouldn't be surprised if the if the Sixers got another long look at some zone on Friday night. You think that in practice today with the Mavs that there's going to be going over some zone defense? Um, um, you know, I, by the way, the, the Celtics uh, are a couple of percentage points ahead um, of uh, they're essentially a dead heat for second place, Celtics and Heat. But um, uh, yeah, I I just think that the you know the Heat have won in Milwaukee, they've won in Toronto, they've now won in Philly. Um, they uh, they they tried to give the Celtics their first home loss, but um, yeah, Celtics almost. got it. Um, yeah, but uh, they continue to they continue to be impressive. And well, uh, without Drogic too, Brian Goran's yeah. been out for yeah. a long time. And, and without Waiters, yeah. Well, well please. stop. If he, like, should we take wagers <laughs> on whether he'll ever play a minute this year? Should we take wagers? Oh, he's on that? not not for Miami. He ain't. You can, you, I mean, you can put that one. I tell you what, yeah. though, the, the Heat, I mean, I saw Jimmy Butler. Somebody asked him last night about you know this being a one-star team. And he said, Who, who's the one star, Bam? I mean, oh, nice. good Bam out of bio is ridiculously good. And part of this is, like, again, most improved. This is one of those things, well, is he most improved or has his role just gotten bigger? So we're seeing how good he is. I mean, he is a guy who can do all the things you want a, a big man to do and then has a bunch of other skills. Like He's got some Draymond in this game. And, man, they've got yeah. all those shooters, all those shoot like Duncan, Duncan Robinson. Robinson. Even, even yeah. you know, Myers Leonard, they mm-hmm. plant him in the corner. He doesn't touch it much, but he makes threes. Right. Uh, Tyler Kelly Olenek. I mean, Kelly Olenek. Yeah. Yeah. The Heat are yeah. good. Yeah, um, the reason Spo played zone last night was because he was essentially only using seven guys. Olenek played eight minutes as the eighth right. guy. But yeah. um, but uh, the thing that Adebayo does, and, and I think Draymond is um, an interesting comparison. One of the reasons that Draymond is so spectacular defensively is because his size obviously enables him to guard multiple different positions. But he's so yeah. smart. Draymond is such – he's one of the smartest defensive players you'll ever see. Um Bam's incredible ability is that he's so big and moves. He's, yeah. I think, was he six nine or six ten? But he moves like he's six three. And yeah, uh, he, he, he's six nine, two fifty five, and a built two fifty five. Like his neck is massive. The thing about him that I didn't really know until this season, and I, you know, you'd have to really be a Heat fan or. Or, um, or be one of their writers to, to know this or, you know, one of their coaches to explain it. But I didn't know he could pass the ball like this and handle it too. Yeah. That's when I talk about Draymond, like he has the ability 
to put the ball on the floor and be a playmaker. And you don't see that out of guys who can, you know, be dominant defensive anchors very often. But he also just has the motor. I mean, really, isn't yeah. that that to yeah. me is what stands out most? And that's why I always compare him to a poor man Siakam because he's got that motor. And he just and that motor you can't teach that. But, you know, there's players throughout the league. Jimmy Butler has it, right? Marcus Smart. We can name all of them. There's a million of them. But you need them on your team. And and Bam Adebayo is that's what he. Uh, to me, above all, with never mind, and he does have a great skill set, but it's that motor. He keeps coming and coming and coming, and he can guard anybody. He guards centers, he guards guards, he guards everybody. Hey, if you're enjoying listening to this podcast, I know that you would enjoy listening to the ESPN Daily which is our look at some of the biggest stories that ESPN provides every single day with the fine host, Mina Kimes. Uh, you may want to check out one from this week that Chris Herring um, did with Mina about the Milwaukee Bucks and how they've gotten this good and whether it's sustainable. And, of course, what about Giannis Tenacumpo's future? Check out ESPN Daily wherever you get your podcasts or right here on the app that you're listening to right now. So let me let me ask you this, and this might be getting into uh, a, a, another conversation. If the Heat made a deal for Drew Holiday, could they win the East? Okay, so let That's me frame give up. Let me frame that real quick. At the beginning of this season, in my mind, the Heat kind of were gearing themselves towards. 2021 they they now they had signed jimmy butler and but they and they had these young guys and but they were really sort of growing they wanted to you know they they missed the playoffs last year and and you know they were just trying to get back into the playoffs and pat riley has had eyes for 2021 when Giannis and a bunch of other top players are free agents um but this team has done so well this year that you know the Heat are very, very proud. It's a very, very proud organization. Um, last year when they missed the playoffs, they probably would have looked you in the eyes at the start of the season and said, we're going to be a top three team in the East and meant it. Um, uh, so it's hard to ask them, hey, do you think that this was going to happen with this team? Because they would probably look you in the eye and say, of course we thought we were going to be in that right. position. Um I just don't believe that they did because they've overachieved. Now I'm wondering, should they not wait until 2021? Should they potentially withdraw it to the end of his contract? And really maybe at the end of his prime with Jimmy Butler, not getting any younger. If they could make a deal now. Well, draws it have to be in the deal. He's in the deal. Mm, not necessarily. Uh, well, to, who, tell me who they're going to trade. They're not going to. Well, here's the thing. Who are they going to trade? They're not going to trade none. They're not going to trade Duncan Robinson because he gives you the spacing you need. I mean, I, I don't think you're trading. Uh, we just talked about Bam Adebayo. He's got to be off. Well, limits. you're not. But Bam's absolutely off limits. But if you're making a deal, and again, I'm like Drew Holiday's. I think we can agree probably the best player who will be traded. So let's just say for Drew Holiday, you're doing something that probably with Dragic's 19 million expiring. Yeah. And, you know, other pieces make salary, but they have some really good young pieces. 
whether that, you know, do you, would you be willing to give up a nun or a hero or a Robinson, maybe one of those three to get one of the better two-way guards in the league? Well, here's what I look at. They have Myers Leonard's expiring contract. Um, so let's not forget about that. Yeah. Um, they have Kelly Olenek, who has a player option. We're going to assume he's going to pick that up, but is a, is a usable player. Um, and they also have the, you know, the guys that they don't want are under contract who are James Johnson and Deion waiters. Um, waiters makes way too much money, man. I, I waiters, waiters is, is due money next year. Yeah, twenty one um, isn't he at like twenty one million or twelve? No, 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 million? no, no. I forget. Twelve, yes, twelve, twelve, yeah, twelve point seven next year. It's just Johnson's Johnson's a, uh, a player option for next year for sixteen. So he'll obviously, be, if he'll it, be if, picking if, that up. Yeah, no, I would but, think so. So if they're trading one of those guys, you, I mean, you, I absolutely, you have to attach well, assets to move those. Of contracts. course, but they yeah. have, they have. Would it be worth it to them? to use one of their young players. Also, by the way, Justice Winslow has value as well. Yeah, he oh, does. Yeah. That's true. Um, He's good. And He's I would, good. He is good, but I would trade him for Drew Holiday. I mean, and yeah. if I'm Brian, I think they need to get Dion Waiters out of there. I, I agree. Really I agree. I'm, I'm just saying, like, if, if you honestly thought that a guy like Drew Holiday could, could make you the East champs this year, you know, it may be worth if if New Orleans was willing to take one of your contracts that you didn't want. It may be worth cashing in one of those young players. Which in one? The deal. See, I well, that's a, know which one. Th- well, okay, that's a matter of negotiation. Right. Um, well, I mean, all, would you give up? Well, well so I was going to say, what do you think? That, uh, to me, the pecking order there is probably Hero Robinson Nun, even though that's not necessarily the the. You know, that's not based on this. But Hero's 19. I mean, he's got, obviously, such a bright future. In terms of the importance of this year's team, it's maybe none Robinson Hero. But in terms of trade value, I think Hero's probably at the top of that list. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but I would just say Robinson's in that starting lineup for a reason because he creates the kind of spacing, three-point shooting that you need. So sometimes it's not the best player you trade. It's the best fit that you can't afford to trade. Do you, you understand what I'm saying? So not only right. – I'm not saying he's a better player. I'm just saying that you've got to look at your team and say, what piece can I not remove because it will change how, the construction of how we're doing things. Well, let's go the other way here. Let's talk about if you're, if you're New Orleans. Okay, so David Gr- – so there was a report or two this week that uh, – and by the way, um, I have heard the same things. I have heard that New Orleans in some conversations with teams recently – have indicated that they may have to start a rebuild. Now, that's not exactly a breaking news development. They've been terrible, um, and they're probably out of playoff position now. And while Zion is now doing some things on the uh, court, it's pretty clear he is not. Uh, he is. Not, he's going to continue to miss games. He's. he's I mean, not, Griffin said he's a ways away, and he right. looks puffy, so it's going to be still probably weeks. So. You know, um, you know they have JJ Redick there. They have obviously Drew Holiday there. Um, some scouts, even Derek I, Favors. Yeah, I Derek Favors, contender if he if he gets right. Who's on the last year of his deal? Derek Favors just devastated by the um, unexpected death of his of his mother. He's talked about it how he just had difficulty, you know, 
operating in the days and, and week after that happened. He's just now getting back to playing, but um, uh, you know, JJ Redick signed a two-year contract. It was a two-year deal. I think that's what it was. Um, so if they're doing a rebuild, I don't know if that makes a whole lot of sense. Now, David Griffin went on to the broadcast, uh, the Pelicans broadcast um, earlier this week, um, and basically tried to you know, calm anybody's feel, you know feeling that there's going to be uh, a trade uh, anytime soon, or that anybody's getting moved. But I will tell you that these reports are coming for, out for a reason because the Pelicans, as they've had trade talks, have indicated that they may that they may go this route. And again, that's not really surprising. That's mm-hmm. common sense if you look at where they are, and, and you know, if you look at their roster, they've kind of got two teams. They've got this this young team. With Zion and um, and uh, you know the Anthony Davis trade return, Nikhil Alexander Walker and uh, Jackson Hayes, uh, and then they've got this older team with Drew Holiday and JJ Redick and Etwan Moore and J- Derek Favors, and it you know it kind of makes sense if you're not going to compete to to shift, especially if you can get a huge return for Drew Holiday. So. That's their situation. Jackie, what do you think? Like, so Miami is a team. Yeah, the Nuggets new, too. The nuggets. There you go. So yeah. so looking at the Nuggets, and you know the Nuggets, yeah. that would be a fascinating move. What, what would you think about that? Well, it's interesting because so we don't know. They, they've been so up and down, right? We don't really know what the Denver Nuggets are yet. At least that's how I feel. You know, Jamal Murray is playing very nicely into that big contract extension he signed. I remember people asked me last summer, do you think he's worth it? I was like, hell yes. And I think he's proven that he is. Jokic has had such an up and down season. Gary Harris, I thought, would give them more. I thought he was going to have a better year. Will Barton's having a great year. So if you're the Nuggets and you're looking at taking on Holiday, you probably would send Gary Harris back. But I don't know if his trade value has been hurt by you know, he hasn't been horrible, but he hasn't been, I guess, what we all hoped. But what they do have, guys, is they have so much depth. You know, I look in the box scores every morning to see how many minutes did Tory Craig play, for instance, yeah. and Malik Beasley. Two really good young players that just really can't crack regular minutes in a very deep lineup. They're and also think, free agents to be, and I with Denver's salary. Right. Um, I keep hearing people tell me, when I talk about how Denver has to watch future salary because that's the way they operate in that organization. Yeah, they've never paid the luxury tax ever. They may have paid it one year. Okay, I thought they never had. I, thought, I think so, they I thought, maybe someone's exaggerating for me, but they don't pay it. Let's just say that they're they're fiscally responsible in well, ways they, that some of the other and they are knocking right on the door of it now. Yeah, and yeah. I and I have people tell me I, I've had I had this conversation with numerous people. I go, they I said, well, you know, Denver's got to watch their future salary, and they go, well, Paul Millsap's coming off. Um, he makes thirty million. He's coming off. I'm like, wait a minute. He's yeah, such a big he, part of what they do. He he's really coming is. off. Guess who's coming on? Jamal Murray's getting a boost from four million to twenty nine yeah. million. Not only next year. that, don't under understate. What, what, how important Paul Millsap is. He has been great. I was there last winter, and they were talking, and people were talking about, well, they're not going to bring Paul Millsap back. And I was thinking, these guys better bring Paul Millsap back. He's been the perfect veteran, the perfect veteran for that team. He's been fantastic. So, yeah. yes, the money's got to come off. I understand that. But so, so they have Paul Millsap, Mason Plumley, Jeremy Grant, 
one right. uh, Hernan Gomez, who I think somebody will, will yeah, take. He's like Craig yeah. and Beasley. He's got he's got if given Beasley, a chance, he could help. Craig, all yeah. of those guys are free agents. They're just not going to be able to. They're not going to be able to retain those guys. So instead of the, of those guys walking for nothing, sweetening an offer right. for Drew Holiday with makes one or two sense. of them yeah. makes sense. It's, and uh, and then there's also Michael Porter Jr. Now Michael Porter Jr. is a prized prospect. There, he's not getting much playing time. Um, he's been in and out of the rotation. But I mean, if you're New Orleans and you and Denver calls about Drew Holiday, <laughs> the player that I'm asking about is okay. Gary Harris, yes. Well, what about Michael Porter? That's right. that's the conversation that I'd be having if I were Denver. Um, what a, like uh, McMahon? I think does Dallas have a package they could offer? Because I think Drew Holiday, if you put him on that team with Luca and Porzingis, we're talking about a major impact there. Yeah, I, I agree. I you know I think that you could look at stuff for the Mavericks. You know, you can look at. You know, you start with the twelve million of uh, Courtney Lee's expiring, and and then kind of figure out what you want to do around there. You know, people talk a lot about Dwight Powell, who signed a, a you know decent sized extension, about eleven million a year, got three years left on it because it hadn't even kicked in yet. Um, I, I would just say I think the Mavericks value Dwight Powell more than uh, his trade value would be. Uh, they, they value him for a lot of different reasons uh, in terms of his fit with Luca. Uh, they really consider him a key culture guy. He's pretty deeply ingrained in terms of relationships, some key relationships within the franchise. And, you know, the other thing, and this is always one of those things where uh, kind of the message I'm getting from Mavericks folks is a, is a pretty strong we don't really want to do anything that would mess with the chemistry. They like this young team. Obviously, you know, they're, they're much better than anybody really expected this season. And they're hesitant to do anything that would disrupt the chemistry. Now, I'm, I'm getting a lot of that when I'm sniffing around about, you know, potentially uh, the, you know, the Iguodala deal that, that we've been discussing for months and months. And I hear what they're saying. I also don't necessarily believe that they're uh, that they won't be aggressive in the trade market because of it. Well, the word I have heard on Dallas is that if they make a move, they want to get a guy who can score. They'd like to get another score. Doesn't mean they have to get a front line score like you get with Drew Holiday. But if they make a move, that they'd like to have a guy who would be able to put in 15 or 18 a game. Does that ring true for you, McMahon? I, I, I've been told to calm down the Iguodala stuff. I, I don't know. I don't know about I mean, look, clearly this team, if you're thinking long term, is the third score, you know, need, there's certainly a need for a third score. Um, but, so, yeah. Can I ask you this? How much do they like Tim Hardaway Jr.? They like him, but like, would they balk at moving Hardaway's <laughs> Hardaway? Absolutely not. Not if there's an upgrade there. Um, and I, you know, look, a, a month ago, I think the conversation with Hardaway is, would they be able to move him with that big player option next season? Right. And right. And, and 
you know, he struggled the last two. Look, Hardaway's, he's another guy. Luca playing with, with Luca in the starting lineup is a perfect situation for Hardaway. And, and he's a good fit there. Um, when he doesn't play with Luca, it's a, it's a different ball game. Right. Right. Good point. So That's a real good me, point. Let me ask you this because I had an executive bring um, this up to me. This is who he said he was worried uh, if they could get Drew Holiday. And by the way, just to reiterate, David Griffin is not making it sound like Holiday is available, but there's this a belief in This is what we do. This is what right. we do. Um, an executive brought up to me, he goes, I'm a little bit worried. What if the Clippers are able to get their hands on him? Oh, Harry. <laughs> Disembodied um, voice. Uh, now, the Clippers have an incredible array of talent, an incredible array of salary options. Um, they have the expiring contract of Mo Harkless um, uh, that is particularly interesting in any sort of deal, although Mo Harkless is a good player. Um, I don't know what new. Like, I, I feel like if. I, I feel like. Drew Holiday could be the most – with Bradley Beal unable to be moved and, right. you know, it's, it's – the, the, the Wizards uh, – by the way, we talked I think last week about – I thought about Davis Bertans being um, an interesting trade piece. Tommy Shepard, their general manager, has come out subsequently and said we're not going to trade him. We want to re-sign him. We'll see I if that holds so. – we'll see if yeah. that holds true. But I certainly understand that the guy's shooting 47 percent on threes. Yeah. Um but once Bradley Beal is is now not he can't be traded. It's against the rules. I think Drew Holiday becomes the one piece, at least as we sit here in mid December, becomes the one piece I think that could actually influence the championship in being moved. Iguodala, where he lands, could be an interesting piece, but I don't know if that sways the championship. I think Drew yeah, Holiday Iguodala's Iguodala is a is a role player, whereas Drew Holiday is a. You know, he he can be a third star for a championship team for sure. So that being the case, if I'm David Griffin, my cost for Drew Holiday, especially since he's under contract for a few years, is pretty high. <laughs> um, I want some real stuff. And considering that we saw the bargain that he drove in trading Anthony, Anthony Davis, and they didn't have to trade him. Um, right. He, you know. So who do you uh, want? Who do you who's who's reasonable? Sh- Landry Schrammett? Is that reasonable? Well, like, uh, I want Montrez, Her- Montrez Harrell. Well, you're not getting him. Uh, yeah, okay. well, if then, I'm the Clippers, well, then, I say, then I don't no, think, we're trying to- well, then there's no trade there. Okay, good. That's all I want to be clear on. Okay. Be clear on. Yeah, I, I, I'm not I just, I'm Montrez trying to bring Harrell. this back down to earth here. That's all. Well, I'm just saying, like, as, as we look at these trades, I think we got to realize that, you know, you know, they're not leveraged. They're, they don't have to trade them because they don't have to do anything. Right. Yeah, I right. just think it. David Griffin, considering the player that Drew Holiday is and considering the market where there's not three stars available and whoever, you know, gets there first will, will you know, somebody can be left without a chair. I think he drives a pretty hard bargain. So as we look at possible trade camp situations, I just think you got to keep that in mind. Can I ask a question? Because I saw this this morning as I was perusing my lovely laptop, which is, I feel like, chained to my waist over the last 76 hours. But uh, so I saw this little stat that – the Pelicans are three and eighteen when Lonzo Ball plays, and they're four and four when he doesn't. So I know he's been hurt a lot, but are the New Orleans and I don't know the answer, are the New Orleans Pelicans 
still like we're sticking with Lonzo Ball? Is it too small a sample size? I know he's not shooting the ball well. He's constantly um, hurt. <laughs> constantly hurt. I understand all of this. But so I'm just wondering, like, if they really wanted to shake things up, is he somebody that they're like, no, 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 we're not ready to give up on him? Or is he someone that they're uh, like, yeah, well, listen. I I think he'd be available. <laughs> I think he'd right. be available. Yeah. But I mean, aren't those numbers kind of, isn't that kind of a, a, a stun? I know it's a small sample size, but it, it really catch, it caught my Can eye. I just say that all of those Lakers players, like, <laughs> their teams, like Brandon Ingram, like, I, I, I mean, Brandon Ingram has been nothing but score on bad teams his whole career. Right. Well, it's but he's short, really short he's scoring a, he's scoring a lot on a bad team now. Well, he is he is the thing about so the word out what? there is that is that the Pelicans are going to be giving Brandon Ingram a huge contract in the offseason. I don't know if I think they have to. I mean, I guess you have to. He's but averaging you know twenty five. Yeah, but come on, let's so let's let's take it down a notch on Brandon Ingram. He went to an impossible situation. He's shooting almost forty percent from the three point line. That's a, that, that's a, a big improvement. It's a big yeah. deal, and then he's averaging like seven rebounds a game, which is way over what he's done over the. I mean, I, let's not let's not take this guy out back of the woodshed here. Okay, I mean, I'm just look. I've, you know what I've else? complimented if, his incredible at, improvement in three point shooting, but it's just well, look at know. the free throw shooting too. He was a sixty nine percent career shooter. Now he's an eighty four percent. I mean, the kid's working. Is my point. Can I throw out a a just pure hypothetical, who says no type scenario that I find fascinating for for both franchises? No, you may not. Moving on. No, well, go ahead. I'm going to anyways. <laughs> Straight up, no picks. Mike Conley for Chris Paul. Um, what's Conley? Conley just got injured. He has a hamstring. Conley has a hamstring and, you know, he missed a couple weeks, came back and the hamstring acted up again. Never a good sign. This would be a, I mean, if we're being honest, it's, it's, it's basically a, a tank move and salary dump for the thunder, but they would, they would solve their $44 million in a couple year Chris Paul problem. Um, and for the Jazz, it's, hey, we're in win now. Uh, even if Conley's healthy, let's be honest, he's considered one of the best players who's never been an All-Star. One of the main reasons he's never been an All-Star is because Chris Paul has year after year after year. Well, say what you want about Chris Paul. Like, he's still good. <laughs> he's still really good. The Thunder are much better than probably is in their best interest long term, in, in large part because Chris Paul can still play. I don't know. I think the Thunder are pretty happy with where things are right now. They're they're in seventh place. They're just about five hundred. Um, Chris Paul has embraced being there. He's happy uh, with the situation as it is right now. He bought um, them all fancy suits last night. Stephen Adams saw, looking sharp. I saw that. Um, people compared it to um, LeBron buying suits in the playoffs a few years ago, but I. Call shenanigans on that because Uh-oh. LeBron Ooh, I love made them. When you call shenanigans, I love it. <laughs> LeBron, it was a it was a promotional deal. Maybe it was for Chris too, but it was a promotional deal for LeBron, and he made them all wear the same suit. Yeah. In this case, it looked like um, these guys actually got to pick out their suits. Um, 
But um, can I tell you this? I still every time I talk to Michael Jordan, I still just laugh and laugh and laugh and tell him he's responsible for many, many things in the NBA. But my favorite of all time is the fake glasses. Michael Jordan used to do those post-game interviews. He put on glasses, he put on a nice suit, and everybody started wearing glasses without lenses in them or fake lenses. That is like that is the ultimate sign of respect, isn't it? That's just yeah. the funniest thing to me. Well, every year um, you can tell, especially the star players, they prepare their uh, podium uh, attire for the playoffs. And there's but different. They pay people to prepare their podium attire. For right, they but, do. But I mean, they, they think do. months ahead and say, "Okay, I'm going to be on the podium for 14 games, so I need 14 great outfits for not only the podium but also walking into these playoff games." Come on, um, guys, that's no different than you, right? You go on a long road yeah. trip. You've got each of your outfits planned, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, all right. Well, we'll be talking a lot more about these trade scenarios. Um, is there before we go? Is there is there another team that we're that we're missing um, for, for, the, for, Drew, for Drew Holiday? That well, don't you think the Timberwolves are trying to trade every for everybody and everything? I Boy, do. talk about a team that has lost its way. I mean, yeah, the Pelicans yeah. just snapped a thirteen game losing streak in Minnesota. Minnesota's now lost eight straight. Towns is banged up. I don't know how much that changes the thinking in terms of their approach to the trade market, but oof. Well, I mean, you, you know they're not just going to stamp out, or they're going to try not to, right? I mean, I don't know. Well, um, so, yeah. I, I did actually have another executive uh, float another trade rumor to me. Not, no, it's not a trade rumor. Take that back, A trade hypothetical? This is a trade hypothetical where he said, what if? What he is said, the what if? I love he what said, if. What if it was almost th- as much as shenanigans? All right. So what if it was a three-way trade Ooh. where um, the Warriors got Drew Holiday mm. and the Timberwolves got D'Angelo Russell, D'Angelo who, Russell. They tried, who they yeah. tried to sign in the summer, mm-hmm. and Ooh. the Pelicans were able to get various draft picks and potential, you know, maybe Robert Covington. And um, some other things. By the way, Robert Covington came off the bench last night. I don't know what's going uh, on there. because he was late and he was it was a disciplinary. Okay. Yeah, it was a late. Gotcha. Thing. Okay. Yeah. Um. Anyway, all right. Uh, we'll be talking more about we'll be talking more about that. Um. I don't know if this group will get together. We haven't set the schedule before the holiday, but my uh, I don't. I'm guessing no. So. Happy holidays to, uh, to, to Jackie and, and to Tim. And um, I'm sure we'll be talking to you before the holiday on the Hoop Collective. But uh, thanks, guys. Enjoy your holiday. And thank you out there, everybody, to listening to the Hoop Collective. And we will be talking to you soon. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. I knew oh. you were going to do that, Tim. I knew it, man. <laughs> I can meet you on He's a Texan. You got me. He's a Texan. <laughs> 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 All right, guys. Uh, Merry Christmas. Adios, amigos.